I'm Scott Pyre, and welcome to the Love Better Podcast, where we explore the truths and the lies about love, and more importantly, how to turn love into a skill, something we can get better at and hone along the way. My voice may sound a little bit rough today, but it is a brand new year and an opportunity to try new things. Meet new people, get better at life, start afresh, and chase your passions. And here on the podcast, that's true too. I took a six-week hiatus at the end of the year to spend time with family, get organized for 2024, and make plans to make the most of the days ahead. And with that in mind, let's talk about what Love Better has in store for this year. Throughout 2024, we're going to explore the two greatest commandments, love the Lord and love your neighbor. These two commands are the structural I-beam that the entire shelter of Christianity hangs from. And when Jesus commanded them, he got specific. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commands in the history of the world are to love better. And more specifically, to love God and man better in four different areas. From the heart, with your soul, using your mind, and leveraging your strength. This year on the podcast, we're going to explore all four of those areas, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how to love better. That all begins with a 10-part series on heart love that starts today. We will do what we always do. We'll explore history, science, pop culture, and connect it all to biblical themes that help us love better. Also, sprinkled throughout, we're going to have some interviews with experts in various fields that can help us be better people. New episodes will drop on Tuesdays, just like last year. I hope you enjoy it. But more importantly, I hope you find value that you can utilize in your day-to-day life. Because love isn't something to be studied academically. It's something to be practiced in our relationships. I don't just want you to learn to love better. I want you to listen and then live out that love in your life with your friends, your children, your spouses, in your churches, in your communities, and especially in your relationship with God. Life is complicated. People are messy. And because of that, love is necessary. So without any further ado, I present you the first episode of Heart Love by introducing you to the Petrosek family. 847,215 dollars and 57 cents. In April 2015, the US Treasury Department received a cashier's check for that exact amount from the estate of Peter and Joan Petrosek. Joan Petrosek had passed away in 98 from breast cancer, and Peter had survived her, living another 15 years before leaving this earth at the age of 85. Both of their wills contained the exact same stipulation. All of their worldly possessions were to be liquidated and the proceeds given to the United States government. Three years after Peter's death, their estate's attorney found herself writing a check for almost $850,000 to Uncle Sam. Not for back taxes, not for debt owed, but merely out of gratitude to a country that had accepted Peter and Joan as citizens. You see, Peter and Joan Petrosek were immigrants, and Peter, at least, was a refugee. 
Peter Petrosek was born Vlastimil Petrosek in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Amongst his effects at the time of his passing was found a creased document with an official-looking stamp of a lion, a school report card from his childhood in Czechoslovakia. Peter would have been 12 when the Nazis invaded his country. In details gathered from neighbors and friends, Peter's family had been devastated by the German invasion. Their property had been confiscated. Peter's father was hauled off to a work camp. His mother was left behind in Prague. His sister had been involuntarily made to work in a factory in Dresden, where she ended up dying in one of the bombings of that city. Peter, he was conscripted into a youth camp associated with the German Air Force, also known as the Luftwaffe. During World War II, the Nazis trained Luftwaffenhelfers, child soldiers. It's likely that is what had happened to Peter. A child without father or mother, forced into a war on behalf of a country he had no claim to. The details from there become sparse. Peter ends up surviving the war, including a plane crash in the Swiss Alps, and in 1949, from the U.S. zone of Germany, received official classification by the United States as a refugee. In case you were wondering, under United States law, a refugee is classified as someone who is located outside of the United States, is of special humanitarian concern, demonstrates that they were persecuted or fear persecution due to race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group, and is not firmly resettled in another country. Peter, he matched all the criteria. So at Peter's passing, at the age of 85, having lived a comfortable life in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom home off of East Kenyon Street in West Seattle, bequeathed all he had to the government of the United States of America. So what does it have to do with love from the heart? It has everything to do with it. Because the heart isn't the part of us we think with. It's the part we feel with. And Peter Petrosek, well, he felt gratitude for a country that had given him a very different life than the conscripted life of a child soldier. Logically, how much would $850,000 do to stave off U.S. debt? Not much. As of right now, the U.S. government spends that much money about every seven seconds. Gifting that money to the U.S. Treasury wasn't a head decision. It was a heart one. So if you want to learn how to love God and love your neighbor with all your heart, you're going to need to find gratitude. Gratitude is the fuel that drives heartfelt love. Until your heart gets grateful, it doesn't get involved. And that's why the same Bible that says pray without ceasing also says that when we pray, we should be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Never stop praying. But in that praying, never stop being grateful. When Paul wrote to the Colossian Christians, he would go so far as to tell them, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You notice the adjective associated with thanksgiving? Abounding. Our gratitude and thankfulness should be abounding, overflowing the boundaries of normalcy. If we want to love with our whole heart, we're going to need to be abnormally grateful people. 
the kind of gratitude that spills over the top of the dam and floods our hearts. And that sort of gratitude, it's a choice. And it is most beautifully seen in one of the darkest moments in human history, Jesus's Last Supper. On a Thursday night, Jesus gathers around a table to eat the Passover, an annual Jewish feast with his 12 apostles. We call it the Last Supper because it was the last meal Jesus would eat before being crucified. After leaving that meal, Jesus would go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and from there he was betrayed by Judas, one of the same 12 men he had eaten the meal with, be handed over to a torch and sword-wielding mob, and eventually be beaten, stabbed, scourged, and nailed to a rough-hewn wooden cross where he would hang until there was no more breath in him. So at this final meal, this last supper, what does it say that he did before eating? I quote from Luke chapter 22. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a small detail, but vitally important. Jesus, as he ate his last meal with those 12 men, including the one who would betray him, gave thanks for the food, gave thanks for the opportunity to eat it with those people. He found something to be grateful for. Instead of focusing on all the evil that swirled around him, he focused on the good that was right in front of him and the good that would come from his death. If Jesus can find gratitude in a moment like that, then I can find things to be thankful for in my life too. It can be done, but it must be done intentionally. Frustration, irritation, anxiety, apathy, and general selfishness come a lot easier than gratitude. I can see the worst in the world without hardly trying. But as Jesus broke that bread and passed it around the table, he found things to feel grateful for. His heart was full of optimism, not bitterness. And this pattern is true in the life of Peter Petrasek, too. Peter and Joan, well, they had much to be sorrowful about. By all accounts, Peter lived a solitary life once his wife passed. They never had children, nor did they have any extended family to speak of. Their neighbor was the executor of their will because, well, he was the closest they had. Peter could easily have chosen bitterness, but it seems he didn't. He chose gratitude. He made the news in 2015 as a feel-good story because his gift of gratitude to the U.S. Treasury was inspiring. By the way, feel-good stories are also one of those things that are only found intentionally. It seems even the news only chooses happy when it has to. Look into any heart that truly loves, and you will find gratitude. That's especially true with worship. You and I both know where you should be on a Sunday. You should be at church. You should go to worship. All of us should. 
But I know plenty of times that I've been at worship, but I didn't love worship. I checked the box of attendance, but checked my heart out. I'm not proud of it. I'm I'm just being honest about the reality that being at worship and being full of worship aren't the same thing. If you're struggling with church attendance, maybe it's because your heart isn't in it. After all, in that same letter to the Colossians where Paul talked about abounding in thanksgiving, he also wrote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The most important melody in worship is found in your heart. And what chord does God tell you to play? Sing with thankfulness. If you're looking to revitalize your worship, bring back gratitude. Intentionally approach worship with gratefulness. Intentionally approach God with a thank you first. From the air that you breathe, to the comfortable shoes that you wear, to the people in your life, these are all generous favors and bright lights in a dark world given to us by God. After all, in this world, all of us who choose Christ are refugees. Worship should reflect a heart that has counted those graces. After all, we will all eventually go the way of Peter Petrasek, and we can have spent our lives counting up the sorrows and filling our hearts with the injustices against us, and nobody would have blamed him if he had. Or we can find a better way to feel. When you train your heart to say thank you, you won't just have good manners you'll also have a good life. Perhaps we do it wrong every New Year's. Instead of making a list of things we want to change, what if we started the New Year off by making a list of the things we're grateful that we already have? As I mentioned, Peter was a refugee, somebody who had been resettled into another country. And that is the exact same description of what it means to be a Christian. You are somebody seeking a new home, somebody who is a wanderer on this earth, and somebody who is seeking a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The Bible is full of examples of people who have lived lives as strangers and sojourners on this planet who are seeking refuge in the King of Kings. That is something to be grateful for. Learn to love better. Learn to love with all your heart. Learn to love gratefully. If you've listened this far, well, hopefully we've done something to help make your life a little bit better. Would you mind doing us a favor and subscribing to the podcast through your favorite platform if you feel like we've done something to bring value to your life? By sharing with others or leaving a review on Apple Podcast, you help us reach more people. Also, if you want more information about the work I'm doing at Eastland, visit us at eastlandchristians.org or my personal Bible site, biblegrad.com, where you can sign up for daily Bible devotionals called Bible Bites and receive them in your email each morning and read through the same Bible reading that I'm doing. Take online Bible classes or you can find videos that will help you study through the Bible throughout the year. And until next time, remember you are loved. So go, love better.